Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. Today's episode is a tutor special, and I'm sharing a conversation I had with Ilana King from Education Pathfinder. Ilana specifically runs a course for people who are looking to enter the entrance exam market. And the thing I like about her course is that it's really broken up into modules so you can pick and choose which aspects you need. But in this episode, we specifically address four questions. Number one, how do you get started Given that it can be quite a secretive market, there's not a lot of information out there or a lot of support. Number two, what are the key things to consider that are specific to the entrance exam market? Number three, how do you gain trust among parents when you're just starting and or you don't have any results or testimonials yet? And number four, where do you get your teaching materials from? So I hope you enjoy. Uh, Thank you, Samantha, for having me. Um, My name is Ilana King. I am the founder of Education Pathfinder. I've been in education for over 25 years. I'm pretty old now. And I've been a specialist in entrance exams for about 10 years now. Um, And now I really have specialized even more deeply into the seven plus exams. And I... um, I think that I really like that age group and that that's one of the reasons why I get drawn very much to those exams. Thank you for that, Ilana. Yeah, you really are a specialist when it comes to entrance exam tuition. And I know that you've developed a course, which we'll talk a little bit more about, because I think that would be really useful for people who are listening to this. But I'm going to dive straight in with the first question that I wanted to ask you, and that is, How do you get started in entrance exam tuition, given that it can be a very secretive market? Afterwards, we'll talk about gaining trust with parents because there is a bit of a chicken and egg situation when you don't have experience. But for now, I'd really like to just focus on getting started in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think sometimes you can even think it's like a secret society and nobody tells you the rules and you're kind of thinking, how on earth do I penetrate this and get in? Schools don't give out a lot of information. Uh, A lot of the other tutors who become specialists can be very secretive about the information that they've gained. So what do you do? Well, I say that research is really key you have to do your research. So you can start with just finding out about which schools that are local to you geographically actually require an entrance exam to get into. So, you know, go online. Google is your friend here. Find out what the local private schools are. Click into each of their websites. Click on the tab that says admissions, which is the information you need to look at, and look at what their entry points are. So some schools will have an entry point at 7 plus, some will have it at 11 plus, some will have it at 13 plus, some also do it at 4 plus, though I'm not a 4 plus specialist, so I have less information on that. Um, But if you click on that tab on school and look at their admissions process, that will be the first step. 
once you've worked out what is local to you, you can actually go beyond that. So you don't have to now in the modern age, and we're all teaching online, you don't have to stick to schools that are local to you. And if you live, um, let's say you're not in an area with a lot of private schools that have um, entrance exams, then you can delve further afield and you can look specifically in London is a, is a good place to, to start central London, um, look at the top schools and see what their process is. Some schools will have a very vague process on there, um, but some schools will be more specific. They may even have a list of uh, curriculum topics. They may have some sample papers. It really does vary school to school, but do your research. I always say you want to almost develop a little fact file that can be an electronic one if you're into, into doing things online, or it can, be, it can be on paper. It really doesn't matter, but you're building up your own little library of information that you can call upon at a later time when you need to look at you know a student who's sitting in a particular school you need to go a little bit deeper than just looking at what the local schools are so you need to have a little bit of an understanding of the different types of exams so for instance if we're thinking about 11 plus which probably has the widest market there are different types of 11 plus exams. You need to have this basic understanding before you can kind of get into the market. So, so grammar schools, which are state schools, have an 11 plus process that is very different, very different and at a different time of year to the private schools who have their own 11 plus process. But when we look at the private schools within that, we then have subdivisions. So we have some private schools that use the ISED pretest, which is an online type of test. We have um, schools that use a specific exam board. So they might use CEM or GL. We have schools that write their own papers that don't compare to anybody else's and are, and, and are very unique. So, so it's not as simple as kind of saying, okay, well, I'm going to focus in on the 11 plus. You have to then really understand all the different different types of 11 plus exams. Once you've got all of that knowledge, I'm a big believer in knowledge. So, you know, you, you need to gather this all together first, then you can consider entering the market. Research is really important. There are lots of forums. There are lots of websites online that you can you can look up. And, you know, I, there's a school called Tiffin, for example, and they're really, you know, they are quite secretive. They don't release any past papers. But when I first started tutoring for entrance exams, they were local to me. And so I was naturally attracting students who were trying to get in there. And, you know, when I went online and I did a bit of digging around, I saw that there were similarities with other papers and other exam boards. And so although you may not pinpoint exactly, you know, the exact style of a paper, you can definitely focus on those core skills and understand what level they need to be at. And I suppose there's two ways of going about it. You can decide to specialize in specific schools or specific areas, or like me, you can just go wider. So I don't necessarily just advertise for a specific area because I'm online, but I do keep that fact file that you spoke about. So I'm always researching. I'm always, always adding to it. And I'm always trying to stay up to date. You know, last year, for instance, one of the popular entrance exam consortiums had a last minute change they were going to add something into their paper absolutely so I would say yeah. that that staying up to date is a really important point I've um I, I've made fact files for agencies before so um for their tutors and the first thing I write at the top of it is 
this is accurate at the point at which it's been written because yes. because schools make changes all the time. COVID was a time of big change for school entrance exams. And, you know, you really do need to stay up to date. And that can be as simple as going back to the website and checking. They do put updated exam, uh, entrance exam procedures on their website. So if they're going to change boards or they're going to do something different, it will be on there. But you can't yeah. assume that just because you've made a fact file that it is going to stay the same. Just to address your point about specializing in a school, I think there are advantages and disadvantages yeah. each way. And I think it, it's it's up to you know a tutor to decide. But um, I've become known uh, in the 11 plus market for some schools very local to me. And um, parents come to me because of the successes that I've had with those schools. That doesn't mean I won't tutor more widely, but, um, but there is a benefit to that. You can show your success rates for those specific schools. That's obviously going to attract parents. I don't specifically advertise that. It is worth of mouth but but um these communities are small so if you've got yeah. some children into a school they're going to talk to their friends and their their friends are going to find out about you for me it has been working being a bit broader because naturally i think that you attract certain cohorts like you said through word of mouth and because you're talking about it but at the same time I find that there are some common ones that crop up so i don't necessarily advertise for particular schools but I do attract, there are commonalities between mm. the conversations that I'm having. And actually, you know, one thing I think that can really help when you're getting started is speaking to people. Now, like we said at the beginning, it can be a really secretive market and a very competitive market. And a lot of tutors don't want to talk about what they're doing because they want to be that go-to tutor. But you have set up a really fantastic Facebook group, which is actually aimed to mitigate that. Um, can you remind us of the name? I can't remember the name of your group. Uh, it's called Seven Plus and Eleven Plus Entrance Exam Tutors. And yes, absolutely. The idea, oh, it's entrance exam community, sorry, seven plus and 11 plus entrance exam community. And the idea of it was exactly that. Um, because when I started in entrance exam tuition, I, I had no colleagues. I didn't really even understand that there were colleagues in the tutor world. You know, I come from teaching, where obviously I had colleagues, but um, I, I didn't, it didn't occur to me that I could have colleagues um, as tutors. And um, it's lonely, but also it was challenging. I mean, my first ever seven plus student, you know, poor child, <laughs> back on it, because while I was an excellent teacher, obviously, I, I didn't know very much about the exams and, and probably didn't do them you know I didn't do a great job but you know it would have been fantastic to be able to say to somebody I'm new and yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing can you help point me in the right direction and it's taken 10 years for me to realize that actually we can create that community yeah. it's it's not out there um, as far as I know I you know I'm happy to be corrected I've, I've never found that out there there are a lot of Facebook groups for these exams that are aimed at parents but I and there's a lot of tutor groups out there but I hadn't found one that was very specific to entrance exam tutors so it's there isn't really a safe place for us to say you know what I've worked hard for a whole year with this student and it's paid off and I want to celebrate that I, yeah. I've not found anywhere else to be able to do that so um so we're growing as a community and I and I hope to keep growing and to be able to keep sharing um sharing those ideas sharing that information sharing those successes yeah it's a really important community and that's why I thought to mention it because I do really like what you've started and I think you're changing that culture which is really important 
And what I also wanted to discuss was for someone who's starting out, what are the key things to remember as a tutor that's very specific to entrance exam tuition as opposed to any other type of tuition? So I would say the number one thing that you need to start thinking about is that this is high stakes. This isn't like other tuition. We have an end goal in mind that is very, very high stakes. Now, you might say, okay, well, that's not different from, let's say, GCSEs or A-levels or any other kind of tuition that has an exam. I would argue that it is different because if we are talking about a a student who is sitting 10 GCSEs or three A-levels, yes, it's really important to work towards that good grade, but that one grade being a bit lower or whatever happens is not necessarily going to be the deciding factor for where they end up. It, more so at A-level, I guess, to some degree in getting into university. But with these entrance exams, the parents are putting everything onto their child getting into that school of choice, whatever that might be. Um, and often, so I work a lot with seven plus students. And so we're talking about six-year-olds often and parents are already having conversations with me about Oxbridge when their children are five or six years old. And that is their end goal. So this is the first step to that goal that they have. So they want their children in a specific school for seven plus, which is going to feed into their senior school, which is going to feed into Oxbridge. So so you can understand when you start to think of it in that light, how high stakes the end is. So when you're thinking about an end goal that is that is so high stakes you've got to remember you're teaching towards that goal so this is not generalized tuition and so a really good example of this is is story writing so you know I I teach story writing in all kinds of settings beyond entrance exams and one of my favorite settings is actually a creative writing club but in this creative writing club we can go off in all directions there is no wrong answer we can we can take our ideas and we can run with them in in any way we want and we can nurture um, all of that great there's a difference when we're thinking about the entrance exam I teach creative writing in a very specific way and I have that end goal in mind the entire time and however um, lovely it would be to go and explore the 12 other ideas that we may have and where we can go with that story it's not going to help us reach that end goal so it's a very different very path focused type of tuition and if you don't like that that is something to consider and I've spoken with tutors who who want more freedom to go off in different directions and and explore different things then this might not be the right kind of tuition for you because you've got to accept that end goal and that you are on the path to that end goal and that everything you do with this child is with that end goal in mind yeah Yeah. And I think, I mean, something that I talk to a lot of parents about because the culture is very different with entrance exams. Parents are a lot more involved. They have a lot more input, I find, than GCSEs or A-levels. And one thing I have a lot of conversations about is that mastery is really important because it, it does depend where you are in your entrance exam journey. But if someone starts early enough, just focusing on exam skills can be a problem Mm -hmm. you really want to try and master those those core skills and the core knowledge so for instance let's say they're taking a particular style of paper that's multiple choice I don't just stick to multiple choice Mm -hmm. questions I also do the open-ended questions and those 10 mark answers because that will help them Mm -hmm. with those tough multiple choice questions 
because something I found, so I have a group class and a lot of those students have one-to-one tuition either with me or with someone else. And I remember there was this one time where I gave them this multiple choice question, but I made it a little bit tricky. They had to really make a judgment call and not one of them could cope with it Mm. because there wasn't this kind of formulaic way they could approach Mm -hmm. it. And that really demonstrated to me the importance of mastering knowledge and skills over just saying, right, I know how to tackle this style of exam. Exam boards, they can make changes. Schools can make changes at the last minute, like we mentioned earlier. I mean, it, it happened in a really big way where this particular consortium added the comparison of texts mm. into their exams. Now, you know, that's really something we teach at GCSE in English. That's mm. not something we teach before then. So it was a really big deal, which is why it's important to have that broad knowledge. Now, this is a re- I think this is a question that people are going to be very interested in. If you are brand new to entrance exam tuition, you've just started, how do you gain trust among parents when you you haven't got any results or any testimonials that you can share with them? It's really tricky. Um, It's a catch-22 situation. The parents, um, because they've got this very high-stake goal, they want to invest in a tutor who has a proven track record. How do you get a proven track record if no parents are going to take you on? And it, it is a problem. However, You've got to also remember that what the parents are looking for, they say that they're looking for a track record. Mm -hmm. That's what they'll actually say. But genuinely, they're looking for three things. Okay, And none of that is about track record. Firstly, they're looking to know that you are knowledgeable about the schools that their child is going to sit exams for. Secondly, they want to know that you are knowledgeable about the exam process and exactly what it entails. And thirdly, they want to know that you understand how to take their child from the exact level of attainment they are at that moment through to where they need to be. If you can demonstrate those three key areas in the conversation that you have with the parent, they will look past the success rate. Yeah. And this is really, really important. And I always say to tutors, your first contact with parents should not be by email. I know we live in an age where everybody likes to do everything by email or text, but you need to have a conversation with this parent because with through that conversation is how you are going to be able to demonstrate those three things. So when they ask the direct question, you know, how many children have you got into this school? You then have an opportunity to turn around that answer to demonstrate those three things that I just mentioned while still answering. You know, there's no, you know, you can't avoid the question. You can't say, you know, 12 if you've had, you know, none of, none of the, I'm not suggesting you lie or ignore the question, but you can say, I haven't got children into that particular school. However, what's really important to remember about that school is they don't actually test creative writing. They've taken that out of the exam. They now do dictation. It's really important, therefore, that when we do our sessions, we're focusing little by little every single week on dictation to ensure that we can, um, you know, whatever, and you can go on. So so it's really, really important that you have that knowledge, which takes us back to the research, right? So you've got to do that research, build up your fact file so that any conversation you have with a parent, you are able to demonstrate those three things. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, in fact, it's it that is a fact for every single entrance exam tutor because we all had our first mm-hmm. when we didn't have any results. And having those conversations, I agree, are very, very important. When I started, I wasn't doing that. 
And I found that parents, the first question they would ask me is about past results. But then when I started having conversations where I was really showing my knowledge and actually a good way to show your knowledge is to ask them the right questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when someone books a call with me, they fill out a little form. So I find out information beforehand so I can prepare for that meeting. And rather than sort of just saying, you know, how can I help? I start asking them very targeted questions. Mm -hmm. And through that, you are giving them that confidence. You're gaining that trust that you do know your stuff. I think since I've started doing that, not one parent has actually asked me about my track record. Yes. No yeah. one has asked me about results. Yeah. They don't ask me anymore because they're not really interested in that result. I talk about supporting the whole family as well, because with entrance exam tuition, just going back to what I was asking before about things that are very specific to entrance exam, it is quite important to, to support them outside of the academic as well. Do you find yeah. that as well? Totally. So, I mean, I, I work with two different age groups for entrance exams or three, if you count 13 plus as well, but mostly seven plus and 11 plus. So, so obviously when you're working with six-year-olds, <laughs> you're dealing with the whole family. Yeah. You know, that's just part and parcel of it. But even when I'm working with students for 11 plus and I don't see a parent. So I, I teach online and I have my conversation with the student and I send the homework afterwards. Um, there is still a huge amount of support that's going on with the parent. So, you know, it's, it's about providing them with that feeling that you are on their side. Yeah. This is not transactional. This is not you're paying me for this hour. I'm providing this teaching for an hour and that's it. It, yeah. that, that's never going to make you a successful entrance exam tutor. You are investing in the entire journey. And to invest in that entire journey means they need to actually feel that you're there. That doesn't mean you're on call to them 24 hours no. a day. And that's not what I'm suggesting at no. all. And in fact, I talk a lot about setting up boundaries and being yeah. quite clear about those boundaries. But it does mean that they feel like if they have a question or, or a concern, you're going to address it. I mean, you're going to address it really fully. Now, whether that is in person or through emails or through phone conversations, that's kind of up to you and how you deal with um, your boundaries. But, um, and, and it's more than that. It's about celebrating their successes along the way. It's about being tuned in to the stresses that the child is feeling and raising that with the parents. You know, there's, it, it's, it's a whole family thing. And when I have conversations with parents initially before we set out on tuition, I'm really, really honest with them about how much work is involved for the entire family. This is not, you know, you know, I have sons who've done GCSEs and A-levels a and, and I, I am very, very much not involved in that. You mm -hmm. know? It's, you know, this, is, this is not something that I take on for them. At that age, they are doing this themselves. When we're talking about seven plus and 11 plus, it, it's not the child doing it on their own. And the family um, takes on a big role within that. And they have to be aware of that. So I have really honest conversations with parents about what's actually going to be involved if they decide to go down this route. Yeah, that honesty is a certainly very important because also sometimes you have to have quite difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you'll get a student where the parents are, you know, they, they have got their heart set on going through this process. They know what it's going to involve and they'll put the work in. But as a tutor, you know that that child, it's not going to work out for them. You can, you can sometimes tell quite early on and I mean, I remember one of my one of my very early experiences of being an entrance exam tutor. I had this lovely, lovely student and he worked so hard. And actually, he really, you know, he had a really good chance of, of getting through the exams. 
But what was happening was his parents were making him do four exam papers a day. He wasn't allowed to watch TV. Um, You know, any any relaxing had to be done through physical activity or reading. Um, So he didn't really have I mean, I'm not this isn't about a debate about whether you should or not be allowed technology. But the point was that his life at home wasn't very balanced during this process. So we were coming to exam time and the first exam he was really, really anxious for because there was this such a huge buildup towards it and so much pressure. His parents were lovely. They didn't actually put pressure on him. They said, look, this is not the be all and end all. Just do your best. They said all the right things, but the run up to it, the pressure, he, he felt it. Of course he did. So he didn't do so well on the first exam. And then he took a few more and he didn't get through even though I, and I was really sad because I just felt that was a really big injustice he should have. However, I understood why he didn't. He actually had to have time off school because he was burnt out. Mm -hmm. He was from exhaustion. He was ill from exhaustion. And so sometimes you have to have quite difficult conversations with parents. And sometimes you, I found that you have to decide where your line is on so I, I call it advocating for the child. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big part of what we do, I think. And uh, being really aware of those signs of stress and yeah. stepping in where, where needed. And um, I think that working with very young children. So when you're working for the seven plus exam, it's really obvious, you know, in that age group, um, it, it's, it's not masked at all. No. So um, it's easier to see. But when you get to the 11 plus and particularly with girls, I think, um, they mask it very well and sometimes you really do have to just um, be really tuned into that student and then step in with the parent you can't force a parent to do anything Um, and I have certainly just in this last year had a student that was being pushed much too hard by by the parent and I stepped in multiple times but there's a limit you know the, the parent's going to make their decision but I feel that it is my role to speak up on behalf of the child even if that doesn't actually achieve anything I think we have to do that so I think as an entrance exam tutor you have to be prepared um to not always say what a parent wants you to say. This isn't always about pleasing the parent. No. I think uh, we have to be able to, to, to be honest. And, um, um, you know, I, I, sadly, I, I can think back over my career to, um, to a very young student uh, who was sitting the seven plus exam, who I would say was on the verge of a breakdown um, that I had to step in for. And, and I don't, I wouldn't say that happens all the time, <laughs> thankfully. But I mean, I think, you know, when you've been doing this long enough, I think we can all kind of think of examples of where students were just pushed too far. You started this conversation by talking about the high stakes and you're absolutely right. But what I often say to parents is that, look, don't see the exam as the end goal. It's actually the beginning of a fresh journey. Mm. So if this process isn't right for your child or if that type of learning environment isn't right for your child, that's what you really have to consider. You need to look at the big picture rather than see this as just a process to pass an exam. Mm. Because if a child is not coping with that level of work or the volume of work, then they're going to really struggle. Even if they get into that target school, they're going to really struggle. Mm. And, you know, that's going to affect their confidence. It's going to affect all sorts. So I think it's about really making sure you're having those conversations with parents about the entire journey, because naturally they're focused on that one thing, that exam, Mm but it's not really just about that. 
So really interesting discussion there, Alana. Thank you. Um, I'm going to finish off with a sort of more practical question, which is you've got started, you know, you want it, you're rearing to go. Where do you get teaching materials from, given that, you know, it is this kind of secretive market and there isn't it's not like GCSEs where you can say, here's a past paper for this exam board. There are so many different things to consider. What would be your advice to new tutors? So this actually kind of relates back to a previous question you've asked me, because I think that that what tutors who are listening might be expecting me to say now is where they can get practice papers. And I actually don't think that is the answer to the question. And this relates back to what you were saying before about um, you can't just use practice papers. You can't just jump in and do paper after paper for preparation. This is a, actually about underlying knowledge. And um, I don't use practice papers until very close to the exams. Yeah, me too. So then what are, you, what are you using in the meantime then? So, well, well you want to remember we are teaching English and maths, right? These are, these are core subjects. So once you're familiar with what is being tested on the exams, then there is any wealth of places that you can go and get materials to teach that particular skill. So, you know, if, for instance, if you are teaching um, inference in, compre on, in comprehension, you know, there are many places you can go and get comprehension passages from that are at the right level. So, I mean, I'll mention Twinkle just because it's one that a lot of tutors know and might have a subscription to. It's not the only place, but they, they certainly have plenty for every single year group of comprehension passages. You have to look through and see which ones are right for the student that you're um, working with. Um, in maths, it's it's generalized maths. Mm. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, not, it's not some special kind of maths that is for the entrance exam. So whatever part of the maths you are teaching, you will find general general curriculum materials out there. So it's not something specialized. Now, that said, there are specialized elements of it. So most of the exams at seven plus and certainly at 11 plus have reasoning and reasoning is not part of the um, normal school curriculum. So those are specialist materials. But there are lots of publishers out there who have um, workbooks for verbal and nonverbal reasoning starting from as young as five years old and going all the way up. So um, those are really easy to get hold of. So, um, so I tend to use more generalized um, curriculum materials until closer to the exam where you do need to practice um, practice papers for exam technique. Yeah and I think one thing to be mindful of is that if you can access it parents can access it as well whether it's Twinkle whether it's a publisher and I think just be a little bit mindful of that and the reason I say it is because a while back I, I got this um, client who had a bad experience with a tutor and she said to me you know um, the tutor was really expensive and I would have been happy to pay that money but all she used were books that I have at home mm. now I'm sure that tutor did not just use books she had at home I'm sure the tutor used it as a tool mm. and of course brought their special bit of magic to that session but that was the perception that that parent had and mm. Mm. you know we can't control perceptions and parents mm. won't always give us a chance to explain what I actually do is I create all of my material that I teach off I will only use published material for past papers but even then sometimes I'll just create my own questions and I always say that to parents so that they can have that confidence buy whatever you want you know subscribe to Twinkle buy the books I'm not going to be teaching an overlap of what you're doing mm -hmm. at home um, and that's not me saying that you can't use these because I do I do use these resources but kind of like what you said it's more for ideas it's more as just a starting point rather than me going off and trying to find a comprehension passage. 
I might as well use one that's there rather than reinventing the wheel. And then just tweaking some of the questions or creating some of my own questions. I think that for a parent to value what you do, you're never just going to be working through a workbook because what what's the point? I mean, absolutely, what are they paying for? So, so I have endless workbooks on my shelves that I use as resources. I've never worked through a workbook with a child. Because- no, me neither. And I, the reason why I mention it is because Um, I do see on some forums where people are asking for advice. And a lot of the time, the comments in there are pointing them to books. Oh, I I just use this workbook or I just use Mm. these resources. And that's why I thought I'd mention it because, you know, I'm sure they're really, you know, tutors don't generally just rely on them and they do use it as a tool. But I'll never forget what that client said to me. Mm. And you do have to think about the perception. You know, these children, they are young. I mean, when you're teaching for 11 plus, Um, I very rarely have a parent in the room, but that's not to say that they can't be. And certainly if you're teaching younger groups, there probably will be a parent in the room. The child might need a bit of help or a bit of assistance. And so they are watching what you're doing and they won't always necessarily ask you. Oh, just to ask, how come you're using that book? They might just leave you like that that client did and go to a different tutor. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just being mindful and finding a Mm -hmm. balance Because also what we said before, we talked about having conversations with parents where you're showing your knowledge. Well, this is also one of the ways to back that up. Well, thank you so much, Ilana. You have shared so many bits of gold dust, so much valuable information. And I hope that anyone who's listening, I hope you find this useful as a starting point. Um, Ilana is running an amazing course for seven plus tutors. And the thing I like about it, because I have had a sneak peek into it, is that you can pick and choose exactly what you need. So you don't have to commit to the whole course as such. But also what I like is that even if you're not thinking of being a seven plus tutor, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ilana, you can actually transfer a lot of these concepts and principles to other exams. Uh, Because I've, I've never taken a course. I started with 11 plus. But that knowledge and that experience has allowed me to also teach other entrance exams. Absolutely. The skills um, that the children are learning, plus the skills that you have in teaching it are the same for for 7 plus or 11 plus, just at a slightly different level. And and often the tutors who are taking the course when we do our live drop ins, um, I've had them bring 11 plus materials and say, oh, well, what would I do with this student? So even though technically the course is is a 7 plus one, you know, the skills are so transferable that we're, we're talking across the ages. Yeah. Yeah. No, we are. We are. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ilana. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. 